to the Eminet podcast, a place for educational rheumatology content to improve research and patient care. If you are too busy to read the Eminet newsletters and bring contributions, this podcast is exactly for you. Now you can get updated while on the go. This episode of the podcast will give you an overview of the most important information from our fresh press review and journal club newsletter that you can find at the Eminet webpage under the subsection News. It includes not only the overview of the most recent and relevant papers from various journals, carefully selected and reviewed by our members, but also the winners of the Journal Club and Paper of the Month polls and newest Euler and Eminet activities. So keep up with us. My name is Maria Sokolova from the University Clinic Erlangen and I'm your host for this episode. Let's get started. First, I want to mention that we regularly organize the Euler Eminent Journal Club, which is taking place on Twitter. It is always an interesting and lively discussion with Eminent community and faculty peers, so we encourage you to follow Euler underline JC and Eminent accounts on Twitter to be informed about the future journal clubs. The paper of the choice for this issue was Comparison of an Online Self-Referral Tool with a physician-based referral strategy for early recognition of patients with a high probability of actual spondyloarthritis by Dr. Fabian Proft and colleagues from Charité Hospital in Berlin. The results of the paper encourage further investigation in the field of digital health in spondyloarthritis and indicate the potential for online self-referral tools. Although the Journal Club was on the 24th of February, you can still find the discussion under the hashtag Hashtag ULRJC. In the online vote for the paper of the month, the study published in Rheumatology Oxford by Delphine Courvoisier and colleagues won the poll. The article title was The Impact of Seropositivity on the Effectiveness of Biologic Anti-Rheumatic Agents, results from a collaboration of 16 registries. The data collected from different registries confirmed the role of ACPA or rheumatoid factor positivity for the treatment with non-TNF inhibitors, especially for rituximab and abatacept. Seropositivity was associated with increased infectiveness of these agents. You can watch the interview with authors on the Amunet YouTube channel. For each press review and journal club newsletter issue, our working group members are preparing an overlook of the most interesting research papers from major rheumatology journals. The articles published from August to November 2020 were covered in this newsletter. We will start with the Annals of the Rheumatic Diseases. In psoriatic arthritis, the study by Nerviani and colleagues explored distinct synovial and skin tissue transcriptomic profiles in 27 psoriatic arthritis patients. Interesting in this study was the discrepancy in the gene expression between skin and synovium in the same patient. Overall, skin profile was uniform and more IL-23 driven in contrast to synovium, where it could vary significantly. The authors argued that a biopsy-driven approach could help to better identify target patients for IL-23-L17 inhibitors. In Rheumatoid Arthritis, Andreev and colleagues published a work showing the unexpected regulatory role of eosinophils in rheumatoid arthritis. In the mouse model of asthma and Cabixen serum-induced arthritis, regulatory eosinophils found specifically in the joints ameliorated inflammation and induced a resolution phase of inflammation. 
These cells were identified in the synovium of RA patients in remission. The authors also highlighted the exacerbation of arthritis in patients with concomitant asthma upon treatment with IL-5 inhibitor mepolizumab. In an important study by Molander and colleagues, a positive correlation between the venous thromboembolism risk and disease activity score was observed in rheumatoid arthritis patients. Failure of tocilizumab in two different diseases was apparent from two studies, also published in Annals. Primarily endpoints not met in both hand osteoarthritis, in a study by Rischetti and colleagues, and in Sjogren's syndrome by Felton and colleagues. In a population-based study from Germany, Barreliakos and colleagues have identified factors associated with bone marrow edema in sacroiliac joints in healthy volunteers aged under 45 years. Childbirth in the previous year, HLA B27 positivity, age and physically demanding work were independently associated with bone marrow edema. This might help interpretation of MRI images in the daily rheumatology practice. COVID-19 significantly affected our daily life, practice, and also research field. In a new study, Akiyama and colleagues performed a meta-analysis of 62 observational studies, including a total of more than 319,000 patients to assess the prevalence and clinical outcomes of COVID-19 and autoimmune diseases. The prevalence of COVID-19 was 0.011, with 95% confidence interval between 0.005 and 0.025. Meta-analysis of seven case-controlled studies demonstrated that the risk of COVID-19 in patients with autoimmune diseases was significantly higher than in control patients, odds ratio 2.19, with 95CI between 1.05 to 4.58. The rates of hospitalization and mortality were 0.35 and 0.066, respectively. Meta-analysis of six case-controlled studies showed no differences in hospitalizations, death, ICU admission, or mechanical or non-invasive ventilation when compared with the control population. Subgroup analysis, according to comorbidities, showed that patients with age above 64 years old, male gender, hypertension, diabetes, BMI about 30, and at least one comorbidity had higher rates of hospitalization, ICU admission, ventilation, and death due to COVID-19 when compared with those without these comorbidities. Importantly, glucocorticoids, as well as conventional synthetic DMARDs, alone or in combination with biologically targeted synthetic DMARDs, increased the risk of all unfavorable outcomes by two to three times, whereas biologic or targeted synthetic DMARDs monotherapy, particularly anti-TNF agents, were associated with a lower risk of hospitalization and death. Let's now move on to the next journal, RMD Open. A novel treatment opportunity was tested in preclinical and early clinical phase for systemic lupus erythematosus by Strasser and colleagues. Senerimod, a sphingosine-1-phosphate receptor type 1 modulator, showed effectiveness in the lupus mouse model, reducing peripheral CD19 B-lymphocyte numbers by 78.9%, CD4 T-cell numbers by 99%, and CD8 T-cell lymphocytes by 19.4%, leading to reduced T-cell infiltrates in the kidneys 
and reduced severity of histological damage. In 44 patients with SLE, scenario mode resulted in a significant decline in blood CD4 and CD8 T lymphocytes, as well as in B lymphocytes, antibody secreting cells, and plasma interferon gamma, compared with placebo group. Next, we will discuss studies from arthritis in rheumatology. Deodar and colleagues investigated the efficacy and safety of IL-17 inhibitor cyclokinumab in a phase 3 trial in TNF inhibitor naive non-radiographic actual spondyloarthritis patients. The proportion of patients who met SS40 criteria was significantly higher for the loading dose regimen at week 16, 41.5% versus 29.2% for placebo, and for the non-loading dose regimen at week 52, 39.8% versus 19.9% for placebo. No new safety findings were reported. Another very important study came from Yates and colleagues evaluating the venous thromboembolism risk of JAK inhibitors by a meta-analysis of phase 2 and 3 double-blinded randomized controlled trials. A total of 42 studies were included, with a total of 6,542 patients' exposure years compared to 1,578 placebo patient exposure years. Only 15 venous thromboembolism events in the JAK inhibitor group and 4 in the placebo group were registered. The pooled incidence rate ratio of venous thromboembolic events was 0.68, with 95% confidence interval including 1. Therefore, these data do not support current warnings around venous thromboembolism risk for JAK inhibitors. In arthritis research and therapy, Rodriguez, Manica, and colleagues published a study where they aimed to investigate whether the reason for discontinuing the first TNF inhibitor affected the efficacy of the next one in patients with actual spondyloarthritis. 193 actual spondyloarthritis patients switching TNF inhibitors between 2008 and 2018 were included in the study. Reasons for discontinuation included primary failure, secondary failure, which meant a response lost after six months or less, adverse events, and others. As assessed by ASTA's clinically important improvement, reason for discontinuation of the first TNF inhibitor did not influence the response to the second TNF inhibitor. However, a more stringent outcome of ASTA's inactive disease was most likely to be achieved with the second TNF inhibitor if discontinuation of the first inhibitor occurred due to the secondary failure, adverse events, or for other reasons, compared to primary failure. In other words, patients with actual spondyloarthritis with secondary failure to their first TNF inhibitor, compared to those with primary failure, have a better chance to respond to the second TNF inhibitor according to stringent outcomes. In a study published in Arthritis Care and Research, Espinosa Ortega and colleagues investigated the association between autoantibody status and response to immunosuppressive therapies in 156 people with idiopathic inflammatory myopathies. In the multiple regression analysis, positivity for dermatomyositis-specific autoantibodies was associated with a higher chance of moderate clinical response. In addition, dysphagia, shorter time span from symptom onset to diagnosis, 
and intensive initial immunosuppressive treatment were associated with a higher response rate regardless of autoantibody status. In our press release newsletter issue, you can find much more research articles covered and summarized by the working group members. I would also like to draw your attention to the Euler COVID-19 repository for clinicians, which you can find on the Euler official webpage under euler.org. It is a dedicated space for clinicians and patients where you can find COVID-related resources and guidelines, all concentrated in one space. Particularly important is the Euler COVID-19 reporting database. It is a European pediatric and adult database to report on outcomes of COVID-19 in patients with IMDs. It has been recently updated with the second module, reports on cases of vaccination against SARS-CoV-2 in patients with IMDs. The page also contains links to national registries. You can find more links and resources at euler.org and in our newsletter. We are also continuing our wear a mask campaign on Twitter. You can share your photos under a hashtag wear a mask. And together we help to encourage people to continue protecting each other and socially distance where possible while we are still awaiting when intensive vaccination campaigns will pay off. This brings us to the end of this podcast episode. Do not forget to follow Aminet on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn to keep being up to date with educational content and research opportunities. And also visit our YouTube channel for interviews and other relevant content. You can find the interviews with this issue Paper of the Month winners Delphine Courvoisier and Kim Lauper there. Thanks for tuning in and stay safe. We will see you in the next episode.